This is then the third attempt at recording this episode because we tried to record this. So it's Monday morning as we record this. I'm quite we, far away, is we're, okay. we're at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Monday morning. Uh, we thought maybe the energy le- levels would be better for we're you. Certainly less alcoholic. Less alcoholic, less knackered. I mean, I haven't had to be woken up yes. to record this, which is a first, a serious first. That's probably is. Um, but uh, we, we tried to record this last night, which was Sunday night, and we, we just bickered. We had a blazing row. I wouldn't even say it was bickering. Yeah. Sto- I stormed from the room. Yeah. So, it wasn't um, anything to do with Picard. It was a really good Picard episode. And then we tried to record it again just before we started this recording. And then the, our little uh, recorder ran out of battery. So we're now mains powered. Uh, and you're powered by chai tea. So let's crack on. I've got some tea. I'm trying not to shout. I noticed when we recorded uh, last our last attempt, I was just shouting. Yeah. It's bellowing at the mic. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe in the evening I'm more smoky. <laughs> <laughs> so for this episode, I took some notes because I'm. I mean, I'm old now. So yeah, Chris in, is forty. Since I, last we spoke, Chris has crossed a great threshold of life. Yeah, you've entered your forties. Yeah. How it's you, great. How do you feel? Well, but I'm quite glad I took notes because I can't really remember anything that we did. However, the notes remember. are not especially useful because I tried to glance at these notes before we record and they make no sense. But what, So what I thought we'd do is I'll give you my phone and you can just read through the notes and just, you know, anything that, that you like to pick up on. Let's okay. Uh, okay. Uh, the first one's a little bit boring, okay. but I think we should go into it. So your first note is, good time, good time jump back within this arc. Yes. So they, they did that th- for the first time. Spoilers ahead, if you're new to the podcast, yep. we're going to talk openly about Picard now. So they jump back in time to an earlier point in this series. They do. Which I don't know if I've ever really seen before, but it, but it was... So it it's was, a scene they showed Yeah, we'd seen this scene before. Ago, and we didn't really know what was going but, on. But it didn't... But, but now it's, it carried on, so that it scene it was good, carried yeah. on after we'd seen it before. That was interesting. It was when Agnes went back to Shrug and... Uh, the Daystrom Institute. Oh, Commander O, was that her name? Yeah, I think so. Spoke to her and gave her, dun dun dun, a mission, a secret, a secret mission. mission. I did like that. But it did make me think, like, is there, you know, is there en- enough story here, really, to, to maintain over 10 episodes? Because we talked, to, talked a lot about how slow it is to start. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, callback within, within the arc was, was cute and nice and I really liked it. But it does feel to me that the sort of thing that would happen within an episode. Yeah, it feels a little bit stretched out, doesn't it? Maybe the episodes could be shorter. And it reminded me of, we quite often have cause to talk about the genius that is the US 21, 22 minute show, um, which is obviously your half hour thing with ad breaks. Because they have two sets of ad breaks in the US. Um, And we love it. You know, things like um, Arrest Development and uh, Modern Family, Frasier... Um, oh, um, Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock is brilliant. Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Both of those do really well. And the, the, the in, it, you know incredibly well storied, incredibly well storyboarded. Thirty um, Rock in twenty minutes, you, they can set up like a brand new character, like that episode with Carrie Fisher, like whole new character, whole new like set, like whole new storyline, and then get rid and of then that character it. Yeah. By, <laughs> within twenty minutes. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So, do you feel like it's a bit long each episode? I will say. In Picard's defence, that the next generation was always, I'm sure, forty minutes. That's, so that's a it's continuation. Not, it's, it's not really, it's not really a comment on the duration of each episode, but a duration of the fact that whether through uh, studio interference or just you know poor writing or whatever it is, it, it feels to me like ah, poor writing is far, far too harsh. But 
it does feel to me like that we haven't got quite enough story to justify a 10 episode story arc. 10 episodes of 40 minutes, yeah. yeah. All right, fair. Okay, moving on. Yes. Your next note is simply manspreading. Now, there is a scene early on, you might have noticed. Go back, it's actually worth going back and watching it again, where Captain Rios is doing the most insane manspreading you've ever seen. If you don't know what manspreading it's quite is... performative manspreading. It's when you... Well, in my experience, it's when you sit next to usually a young man uh, on public transport and they are spreading their legs so wide that you're, like, cr- cramped. You don't... You, you can't sit properly. Yeah. And if you're me, you usually can't be bothered saying anything about it. So you just get lower back pain for <laughs> half an hour. Um, yeah, there's some pretty spectacular manspreading. He's doing the splits. It's gymnastic. Next. Next, all right. That was a long pre-title. <laughs> so there's a. There, Did this, I say this that? is a quote. No, uh, oh, I forget which version it was. So By the time of, the titles came on, we were like, "Wow!" I so one of us said that's a long pre-title, and the other one said they had to fill in all the plot they didn't cover in the last six episodes. Oh. Next. I don't think that note was. Oh much. yeah, Riker's voice. I, I mean, no one's I, voice has really changed. I don't I mean, think Jonathan Freak's voice has changed one iota. Let's step back a bit. I don't think we're giving enough. It, I was so oh, yes. excited to see yes. Troy and Riker still together, yeah. back on screen. Yeah. When we saw them, we knew they were when coming. we saw them last. There have been quite a lot of spoilers online. Yeah, this is actually the first time I remember seeing on social media, like, I hadn't gone out my way to look for or I mean, to I avoid. retweeted it. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, <laughs> hoist I by see. my own Twitter handle. Um... <laughs> But I don't remember, yeah, so I hadn't really seen stuff about uh, episodes coming up before, but for this one we'd, we'd seen that uh, Riker I could not wait to see Troy that guy. Back. My, only, my only disappointment is that they didn't introduce him one, <laughs> one foot up. Like, he used to have always one foot up on the console. Yeah. I'd have loved to see him with one foot up on a log or something, or yeah. a rock, yeah. boulder. Um, but yeah, it was so nice. I was like, oh, they're here. Yeah. You should have brought them back earlier. Um, it was great. But yeah, obviously Troy's voice had changed for the better. Yes. Her old voice was bonkers. Yes, the accent had Yeah, what was going on there? Down slightly. Um but no, and I, I thought like it was just such a good episode. And can I can I deviate from the yes, notes for a moment? I have to say, I realised I had an epiphany watching this, and it's quite an, un- an unpopular opinion. It made me realise that one of another of my favourite science fiction tropes, although it is not exclusive to science fiction, is when in a science fiction show, when the action gets hot, when people are hot on their heels, bad guys, they retreat to, mm, not always a cabin, but some sort of pastoral idyll. Yeah. And you get like, pe- some people hate it. So for example, uh, in the much maligned Avengers Age of Ultron, they go to the old McBarton farm. They go there for like a whole scene. That's where the log ripping happens. Um, or actually, I made notes because I couldn't remember. Do you remember Wolverine's Cabin? To be yep. fair, that's before the action hots up in Wolverine. See, these are all films that people hate. <laughs> what else have I written? Um, oh, Casino Royale. Okay, so that's not really science fiction and it's not really a cabin. But do you remember when, like, after he is weirdly tortured with the seat with no bottom in Casino Royale, you see him on the, like, the shores of Lake Como, like, recuperating at a kind of hospital? Like, I love that. I love when... There's a break in the action. Everyone's just relaxing. Yeah. And even in uh, Rages of the Lost Ark, when Indy goes to like Marion's bar in, I think it's Nepal. It's so nice. You're like, oh, I just like this. I just want to hang out here <laughs> with Indy at the top of a mountain. Then the Nazis... Drink some beers. The Nazis crash it. Yeah, I just love it. I love anything. On oh, Serenity as well, they go to uh, Haven, which is like a mining colony. But like, it's always like quite rustic. There's always log fires. Everyone gets out of their like action clothes and wears civvies. Quite often there's like a campfire scene where they're like tucked into bed. I just love it. Mm-hmm. 
It's very soothing. It's very relaxing. And it's like, it's usually like loads of very talky and like, I don't have to like worry that a Borg's going to come crashing in and shoot something a, in the face. It's an excuse, isn't it, to delve into the psychological drivers behind and, and yeah. you, you sort of... There's often a bit of romance. Yeah, the subscript writers always use it as an excuse to uh, expose some of the peccadillos and uh, fuck-ups in yeah. people's psyches. There's always like hushed conversations yeah. in like kitchens by candlelight. There's always like some rugged guy like dishing up soup. <laughs> there's a rugged guy dishing up soup, or there's like a sort of sexy lady like pouring out like bourbon. Talking of sexy ladies, my next note just says ah, comma the promise of boobs. Yeah, what does that mean? Mark. I think that was because um, there's a bit where for no particularly good reason. Oh yes, they put the is it soji. The daughter? Soji. Oh, soji. Yeah, you're right. Uh, in a shower. Yeah, an uh, outdoor shower. An outdoor shower, and there's just you know, you know. Which obviously covers her modesty, covers yeah, her shame. Yeah, but you're not sure when she's about to get out, you're like, whoop, yeah, and, it, and it's a bit like... You're like, there's already been swearing. Are <laughs> we going to see some boobs? But it's also, you know, that slightly tragic thing sometimes in Star Trek of, you know, the, the sex uh, substitute for yeah. geeky people. Yeah, it's like, we've like got to give the fanfic writers seven something. Seven of nine in her slinky suit, you see Mystique. <laughs> and it's usually women. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. I mean, Riker was pretty sexy in this. Well, yeah, but he's all <laughs> fully clothed. pizza oven. What did you think of Rick Riker and his pizzas? I oh, loved, loved his pizza oven. That was like the best. If you look on um, Jonathan Freaks' Twitter, someone like mocked up a pizza box. It's really right. funny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, I put down here saying kid actors are so much better than they used to be. They really are. But the older actors are great too. You get that real gravitas from I the actually, older actors. All the older actors, and I never particularly liked Troy in... Um, Next generation, but she was fantastic. So but there was this. There was. What did you think of their like subplot that they had had a son who had had an illness yeah. that could have been that in 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 olden days could have been fixed by positronic matrices. Yes, those. Um, but because of the ban on synths, yeah. he had died. They hadn't been able to do that therapy. Well, I mean, it seems like when they did that ban, they could have. Um, had a homeo. Uh, uh, they could have allowed some. They could have had some loopholes for yeah. that in those situations. But it's a, it's a really good trope, isn't it? In sci-fi, it's one of the reasons I love and really love the one with Bendy Cumberbatch. I think it's that one. It starts with oh, yeah. the Into Darkness. Into Darkness. Is it Into Darkness? Is it, Someone's going to tweet us. But anyway, the one that starts with the father blowing up the archives. That is great. And, but the reason why he's doing all this, he's not a bad person, but he's trying to save his daughter. Yeah. And there's something very... Is it, It's a very useful dramatic trope, but an entirely feasible and believable yeah. one. I don't have any problem with that at all. You know, no, you would do anything. parents doing yeah, anything for you would the do kids. Anything, and even yeah. before we had our daughter, like, I can still understand Completely, that. Completely, it's like the only... It's the only out. It's the only thing it's the that only turns out. good person yeah, bad, right? Exactly. Is that your own kid. That was really good. Um, I'm giving full props as well to Picard's collar. I, I genuinely adore all the fashions the clothes in this, are in costumes this show. And the costumes are, really are superb. And uh, Picard's civvies in the rustic bucolic scenes, uh, There's a, a, he's got a sort of jackety thing on with a popped collar, if you yeah, like, but yeah. the, then it doesn't... It, there's not a... There's not a sort of breast lapel kind of thing. It just comes round, popping, and fades back into his neckline. It's just oh, gorgeous. I need to start. I need to start sketching the outfits because I can't remember. Um, but we go, going back to, I forgot um, that. Yeah, I thought all the um, adult actors were way better. But then yeah. I was, we were saying they've had 20, 30 years experience yeah. since they were in there's a Next kind of Generation. She, Troy was fantastic. There's kind of automatic pathos that you get as an older actor, right? You, you get they do. You get a sort of inbuilt ability to 
depict sorrow and regret and hope and all these things come with a very mobile well you don't you're not having to act your 20 years backstory because it's on your face we've seen you a lot younger yeah for and sure. you can see that you know time has taken its toll <laughs> as, I mean, it, as, as it has a, as a 40 year old Chris you can <laughs> I can relate, to, relate that to that now yeah my next one's confusing. Oh, no, I do remember now. It just says tomatoes like Christmas baubles. There's a scene where, you know, again... It's I don't remember you, that at all. It's back to your bucolic thing where they're, like, amazed. Never only ever had food from a replicator before. Oh, yeah, before. she's never had a tomato so before, eating yeah. So tomatoes and how delicious they are. But, like, it, <laughs> somebody, you know, with better horticultural knowledge than me might tell me that these actually are how some tomatoes grow. But they just look like they bought a, a load of plants and then, like... Hung tomatoes fixed. <laughs> You know those ketchup bottles you get in the shape of a tomato? Oh, yeah. Diners. It looked like they just sort of affixed those on with you know, fishing wire or something. I didn't it looked even know. Very it. suspicious. That's so funny. And then she bites it. If I was going to eat a piece of fresh fruit or vegetable for the first time, I wouldn't want a tomato. It's all like slimy and like kind of weird and seeds everywhere. It's a terrible first example. My next one just goes heteronormativity. Yeah, what's that for? I can't quite remember, but it, like, it does strike me that I, I've got a vague memory of the fact that there's a lot of stories in this about, you know, yearning and uh, desire and this sort of stuff. But even in the 24th century, whatever we're in, it's still very much boy fancies girl, girl fancies boy. Oh, God, yeah, I'd forgotten in the end of this. This is when she, um, this is when Alison Pill really goes off the wagon. Like, she, um, she's like really upset about her subplot, essentially. Yeah. And then um, what's her face? Rafi's like, what's wrong? Is it about, is it about Rios? Yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, just because she boffed Rios, she might have some other stuff going on. Yeah. But so, it got really exciting at the it end. Did. I'd forgotten. And, my last and no- the EMH finally turned up. Where's he been? My last note was just Alison Pill, five stars. <laughs> like, she is, she is incredible in this. Would I think. Pill again? <laughs> I think, Alison. I think she's doing an incredible job. She is incredible. She can emote. She you know hasn't had much to do, has she? You know how uh, the, your man, I forget his name now, who directed the live-action remake of Les Mis, what was his name? Oh. Yes, him, thank you. <laughs> he got a lot of plaudits for the direction in the Anne Hathaway scene where yes. she is singing I Dreamed a Dream, which is a very sort of quite schlocky kind of number in yeah, Les Miserables. But... If she, you're moved by that and you're not moved by stars, although Russell Crowe, come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just but she, she does give an incredible performance. It really brings that song, it really gives it you know, heart and humanity, whereas before it's, it's always kind of delivered a little bit uh, rada. It's well, it's always, I mean, out. the last time a lot of people saw that would have been um, Susan Boyle. Yeah. Pride of, Pride of Bathgate. From Fairland or Pride something? Of, Beth, no, Beth she's from well, it's like Blackburn. Right. Susan Boyle got some funny Susan Boyle stories, I could tell you, but I won't. Yeah, so I think a lot of people, it's kind of like an audition piece, yeah, like yeah. quite a sort of school musical piece. So yeah, yeah. she did do a favour. But it reminded me a lot of that like with, with Alison Pill and this. She can really bring the tears, not in a sort of performative way, but in a yeah. real, like, you, f- you feel it in your gut. I think she's done an incredible job. I think she's always, she's been a viewer proxy throughout, yeah. and that means she hasn't had an awful lot to do for the first few episodes. Yeah, they, they specifically had her as a viewer proxy, didn't they? Like, coming onto the ship and not understanding what was happening. And... But... I think she she does a f- she fully does the freak out of if you were in this situation how you would actually feel. You get a lot of characters in science fiction always thrown into like weird situations like okay we're going to go with this because the world is weird. But um, yeah no she's got a lot happening and she's not prepared for it and at one point she just says I just want to go home. She doesn't have an excuse for her behavior and she just bursts out with I just want to go home and you very much feel that she just wants to go home. Yeah. <laughs> she does not want to be involved and I think that's how 
the majority of people in crazy circumstances would feel. Yeah. She's she's fantastic. But she's she's my absolute highlight. Of yeah, the whole it ended thing. really excitingly. She'd um she's we think I re- I mean she must have done something to stop her tracker. I th- I think we're supposed to think she's killed herself. I don't think she has. Well, there's a lot of she's taken there's something. There's a lot of gossip as well about her being a synth herself. Oh really? Interesting. Um, which is feasible because she was quite close with Bruce Maddox. Yeah, well, that could be a thing. Um, so we'll have to see. But we've only got what three episodes left. I don't know. I've genuinely lost count. I, th- I think that was no. Oh, do you know what? Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Let's fade in the music. Yeah, so that was episode seven. Uh, and I'm just taking from you that there's ten episodes, but I it's don't been know. revealed in that in, in that interim period that we don't actually know that to be the case. We don't know there's ten. We're very bad at this. I know. We're very, very bad. I really, I thought it was a really, like, it had everything. That's what I wanted Picard to be from the start. And um, I loved going to a strange planet. I loved the humour. I loved Riker's pizza oven. I loved Riker. When I saw him, I was just like, oh, Riker's back. He was great. He was he like he was great. That, that, she that, was great. That warmth and the, you know, I as you know, one of my favorite songs from Hamilton is "One Last Time," because there's something particularly because I'm not particularly good at uh, forming male friendships or indeed female friendships <laughs> or indeed non-binary friendships. But um, because there's there's something that really resonates with me about that kind of fraternité, um, that brotherhood, yeah. that two two souls. Who is platonic? Then it's not. It's not a romantic. I love a platonic friendship on screen. But a real, like a real brother in arms uh, thing, and I was reminded again of that with with um, Picard in number one. I was as well, and he said, um, he sort of I can't remember the exact words, but he they kind of knew they were in trouble. He knew there were people coming after him, um, and Picard says, you know, I'm going to leave here as soon as possible. I don't want to be in any danger. And the number one's like, just stay, like we can whatever it is, we can deal with it. And I think that's um and it has that parental vibe as well, even though it's almost like when as a child you become responsible for your parents as an adult child you become responsible for your parents. It yeah, almost had that feeling of they kind of they they saw him and they never they didn't really articulate it. They kind of mm, alluded to it that they see him as more of an old man now, an old man that needs a bit of protection. Yeah. And and they were being the kind of responsible ones saying, just stay here, we can we can look after you. But yeah. Um, what happened in the end? Did they leave? Did you see them leave? Can't remember. I can't remember. It's either. so long ago. It's so very long ago. So much has happened Turn since 40. then. Turned forty. We had a steak. We had a, uh, a massive, massive steak. No, I, I mean, to call it a steak is almost an offence to that poor cow. We went to. Um, it's like the hindquarters of a cow. A very fancy, shishi middle class uh, restaurant in St Andrews. Well, you say fancy. It was one of those places that's so fancy uh, yeah, that it goes going, going past being fancy and is incredibly rustic. Yeah. Until you pay. Yes. But we had club steak, which was a sirloin on the bone, and it was between the two of us was one. And it was sensational. And I, I drank a bottle of Malbec and you drove home. Yep. With me dozing quietly. No, actually dozing. But No, you spoke very interestingly yeah. about your thoughts. Yes. <laughs> like My dreams. Your hopes Let's and dreams. Let's move on. Yep. I don't really have much media I consumed this uh, week. I mean, there's not the much you only, consumed this decade. The only, yes, the only thing I was going to mention was I've started reading uh, the Terry Pratchett book, Snuff. Yes. Now, I love Terry Pratchett, absolutely one of my favourite authors, easily in the top three of authors I really enjoy, because his stuff is funny and whimsical and beautifully written, absolutely incredibly written, but also searing and, and angry and 
um, satirical and very well sort of constructed and, and, and sort of playfulness mixed with. What's it about? Bar. I feel like I've read it. So Snuff is the one about. Um, is one. It's the last I think um, Discworld novel, or if not the last, then certainly one of the last. And it was either written or finished after his Alzheimer's uh, really? diagnosis. It's about the building of a train, steam train. But here, the reason I'm mentioning it is because I listen to audiobooks, often Pratchett audiobooks, every night when I'm going to sleep. And this is one that I'd only ever listened to and going to sleep. Now, normally when I'm listening to audiobooks, they're ones that I know inside out. I can pick the story up at any point and yeah. it's fine. So if I fall asleep, you know, and then the, the, the timer doesn't run out for another 10 minutes, it's fine because I'll pick it up again next time. Yeah, I never listen to novels going to sleep because I'd lose my place. I only listen to... Bill Bryson audiobooks because this is the plot. Bill Bryson goes somewhere, fine, yeah. makes an observation, yeah. goes, goes to another place. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but um, I don't ever listen to this in audiobook as I was going to sleep, and so I could never quite hold the thread of the narrative. Mm. So I got a Kindle for my birthday, which was wonderful, and finally sat down to read uh, Snuff, and it's great. I love it. Tell us about your new Kindle. Would you recommend it? Yes, I now have the Kindle Oasis, the fancy Kindle mm. with paper white display and the adjustable warmth uh, front light. I really, I really, really, really like Kindles, and I, I mean e-ink Kindles. Partly that's a kind of very geeky uh, love for the e-ink technology, which I think is fascinating and very, very, very effective. But also, there was a, a Steve Jobs quote about single-use devices and nobody will have them because, you know, your phone can do everything and it can, absolutely can, but something very, 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 very nice about a single-use device which is very focused on its task and which you're not being, your attention is being pulled out. Uh, you're not having your attention pulled away every time to respond to a push notification for a new tweet or something. Yeah. Um, and I really like that sort of quiet piece that you get with Kindle. And I much, much prefer Kindle to reading physical books because the... Uh, it's much the ergonomics are much nicer. You don't have to shift weight Especially around. A long book. Yeah, exactly. You can just settle in and really enjoy it, um, and you don't have the same futzing about as you would with physical books. And also, I just you know we we spend our lives these days railing against clutter and oh, trying clutter, to declutter. Yeah. And I don't mean in a, in a formal does a spark joy way. I mean just no. literally trying to fucking tidy the living room. What floor. is all this crap on the floor? Yeah. So. We don't have any books out on display. Ada's um, books. We have uh, yeah, our, books. Our daughter has got books in her room, but, we don't but none really. for us. And I really like just having everything in that little slab of aluminium and plastic. Yeah, yeah I know. It's um, Yeah, I can't be done with the fetishisation of no. print books. I like a print book fine, but I'm not going to be... I hate those people who are like, but I love the, the smell. smell. No yeah. one cares, grow up. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I remember Go reading, to a library. <laughs> there was a Stephen Fry column he wrote years and years and years ago, which was collected into one of his uh, collections. And, uh, you know, he, he made the point, this was before e-books were a thing, he made the point that he's as happy with a, you know, first edition as with a filthy old livre de poche that he'd picked up in yeah, a Yeah, I just want to read it. Shop. Yeah, the story is the important yeah, thing. I don't really care. I mean, that's not to say, of course, with, you know, my Vivian Meyer book of photography, for example, or yeah. Dave Addy's beautiful book on typography. Well, even Ada's books with the illust- really big books with the illustrations that are meant to be read to like a class of kids are like yeah. really lovely. When That's the books in and of themselves, I suppose, are part of the consuming part of, of it. the experience. Yeah, yeah. but when, if it's just a story, it's just text or, or a non-fiction story or a fiction, and also like 
you know, with a Kindle, if your uh, short, sorry, if your sight is poor, yeah. bump it up. You can have having the audiobooks read to you and have the position synced. Um, there's lots and lots of accessibility reasons as well why it's a it's a really good thing. Because remember, when we were kids, any way of getting large print books was a small selection of usually sort of Maeve Binches and usually romance. Like, exactly. and there's quite a lot of Mills and Boone large That's print in our library. Whereas yeah. now, any book can be a large print book because you can just change the size of the font yourself. Um, I'm just gonna I won't name names, but I have an aunt who at school was asked out on a date by uh, the heir to the Boone Empire. Yes. <laughs> but she turned him down. Uh, that would have been a good... Gutted. Uh, yeah. That would have been a Anyway, what about you? Well, I'm actually going to jettison some of the stuff. So, quick mentions. Uh, I was going to mention Dog Loves Books, which is the first CBBS show I've seen in a long time that has tempted our child away from SpongeBob SquarePants. So, uh, on CBBS, Dog Loves Books... Uh, Ada loves dog loves books. Um, <laughs> yeah, mommy thank. loves that Ada loves dogs loves books. I love Spongebob, but oh my goodness, I'm ready to watch something else. So that was great. I was going to resurrect my uh, Chris Evans career clinic because Chris Evans has clearly listened to my career advice. Yeah. Hasn't waxed his forehead, yep. but has made some other career uh, choices lately that I wanted to speak about. Not even going to speak about that, even though it's one of my favourite subjects. Now, I'm going to speak about uh, Dead Eyes. Have you heard of this? It's a no. podcast. So I recommend it on Twitter. It's not a new one. I know I'm behind the times, but, you know, I'm doing my best. So this is not a new podcast, but it's one that someone uh, recommended to me. So I started listening to it uh, only yesterday, and I've listened to four episodes <laughs> in two days. Yeah, I tried to follow your advice of listening to it in the shower. I couldn't hear. I don't know how you listen to podcasts you, in the did shower. Did you turn it up? Well, yeah, but that was, like, really, really deafening. I was like, you guys aren't going to be able to hear whatever you're watching in the living room, because I had it was so loud. Anyway, it's called Dead Eyes. It's hard to describe. Um, it's by a US comedian. He's an actor as well, uh, Connor Ratliff. He's the kind of guy who you think you don't know, but then when you see him, you're like, oh, that guy. He's in like The Office. He's had like lots of parts in on TV and some bit parts in movies as well. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Um, it's like a true crime podcast. It's a little bit like Serial in that it's a deep dive into a mystery. But the mystery is this. In the year 2000, he uh, was cast in a very small role, just like four lines or something, in Band of Brothers. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. uh, Tom Hanks, uh, I think Tom Sizemore, uh, war, Second World War, a glossy action drama on TV. He was cast in a small part. Uh, he was then fired by Tom Hanks. Wow. Tom Hanks's note to his agent was that he had dead eyes. <laughs> and he goes in a really deep dive to find out why? What what happened in that whole situation? What happened? So he was he was called in. He was auditioned. He was auditioned. He went up the audition ladder. He got the part. He was absolutely thrilled. He told everyone he knew. Um, and then he was called back day before shooting as to re-audition in front of Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks decided to go another way. <laughs> um, so it's, it's kind of a weird premise, but it's really, really interesting. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, he goes... He looks at that day, that audition. He speaks to the guy who did get the role. He tries to speak to the casting agent he worked with, who was very, very kind to him. He wept openly on the day uh, that he was fired. Um, who's very, very kind to him. Feels like it's leading up to meeting Tom Hanks. I don't know. There's, he speaks to some incredible uh, sort of screen talent. More um, His contemporaries are more actors that you would know. Mm. Um, 
He talks to uh, Darcy Carden, who is Janet in The Good Place, yeah. and lots of other actors of her calibre who have really like standout roles, uh, often on TV, sometimes in film. Um, and it's really interesting. So he talks about, to them about their analysis of the situation. So like he rereads the scene that he had. To, he sort of recreates his audition uh, with uh, another actor. He speaks to some of his contemporaries or actors who've been very, very successful, like John Hamm is in there. Um, John is in there. I'm only four episodes in, so I'm interested to see how it turns out. But it it's kind of a, it's a great concept. It's kind of a slightly silly premise, but no, it becomes no. very interesting and sometimes slightly moving. Um, I think is it. I won't say it's Darcy Carden, but maybe it's not one of the actresses he works with. Says, "Can I ask a question? Are you okay with talking about this?" And yeah. you can. It really affected the guy. Um, Connor talks about. He shortly after that he took a break from acting for fifteen years. He went and worked mm. in a bookshop, and he didn't return to acting until he was in his thirties. And he says himself he could only return to acting when he cared less. And he says something along the lines of, "No matter how well his career goes, no matter what role he gets now, he'll never be as excited as he was yeah. when he got that role." And of course, the other thing that's fascinating about the premise is we're talking about Tom Hanks, who is. The, you know, yeah, they keep saying this the, the nicest guy. Yeah. Somebody he, who has yeah. apparently weathered the storms of Me Too. <laughs> who I know, that's a kind of at the Tom shows Hanks. Shows up and read it, like fact, hugging people at the wedding photographs. <laughs> the fact that it's Tom Hanks makes it all the funnier. And they keep they talk about him a lot. And it's it's funny and it's quite moving. And he talks to his guests about um strange failures or seemingly random failures that they've experienced in their life. Um, their lives or you know setbacks that they've had and I always I'm a real sucker for um, anyone who talks about um, sort of crashing and burning and coming back from that like you know Alan Partridge (laughs) Uh, Stephen Fry in his first his best autobiography um, talks about going to prison and you know coming back from that I, I really love it it's really really interesting and I must say this podcast has everything that we don't have Chris. It's well researched. It has audio clips of all the media they're talking about. It has great guests. Yes. Has interview sections. They don't record it on a Sunday Does, night. Do they have bickering? No, they never have to oh, fade well. out bickering, as far as I know. <laughs> um, it's such a good listen. I can't recommend it highly enough. I have subscribed. In return, um, let me recommend uh, a very, very well-known podcast. But just in case you haven't heard of it, and by you I mean the, the you I'm including are many, many listeners around the world. <laughs> how, to, uh, how to Fail with Elizabeth Day, uh, mm. who interviews, every, every episode she interviews a person in the public uh, sphere about um, their failures and uh, it would be wrong to suggest they talk about what they've learned from it because it's not really, it's not, and I think this is very healthy, it's not a, I made this mistake but here's how you can avoid making that mistake, it's just I made this mistake. Yeah. Full stop. I think that's really an important thing to do. Any sort of mistake or setback, I think, that comes out of the blue as well. Like, I wasn't expect, you know, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it's always, I think, are always the worst. Like mistakes or setbacks that really knock you on your ass yeah. and kind of can affect you. Like can ripple down the years, which I think uh, that one does. So, like, my own example of that was when I became poorly after I had my daughter. Um, I didn't. I I didn't work again for two years. And when I did work, it was at an extremely reduced rate. You know, I you, junior level. you think your career is always going to progress, but you know, I earn a third of what I earned age twenty four. Um, yeah. I only work three days a week, and I I like to hear stories of people who have kind of 
had that kind of experience and kind of managed to build back up again or not yeah. you know interesting very interesting well I'm, I'm subscribed so I'll be listening to that thank you very much for the recommendation I think we're pretty much done I want to say something funny what's the best thing about Switzerland I don't know the flag's a big plus <laughs> well that's funny oh.